From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 144 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Today, I'm talking about my anxiety disorder in the past. I want to reflect back on it and talk about how I was feeling going through those challenges I was going through. I want to talk about the moments of enlightenment that came to me before I even went on this recovery journey. And I really want to talk about my habits, my beliefs, and the lifestyle I was living at that time in my life. The most horrific time in my life when I was suffering every day from severe health anxiety, severe anxiety, social anxiety, things like that. But before I talk about that, I want to go over your comments on last week's episode 143, which we talked about how a health anxiety sufferer is sensitive towards other people's illnesses out there in the world and why that's the case and what I did about it. And I talked about my uncle's passing, which you guys found to be really, really helpful and useful. And I'm grateful for that. DD underscore 86 says, your podcast is a space for healing and developing much appreciated. Thank you. Betty K says, this episode is so important for people with health anxiety. I am currently working on this sensitization over other people's illnesses. I also feel like I am not over the illness my family has had in the past. So much gratitude for your show. Betty, it looks like there are some unresolved, repressed, highly emotional issues there that need to be dealt with and looked into. I highly recommend the Anxiety Project program because in that program, there is a releasing trauma meditation, as well as I also recommend the one-on-one coaching with me so that we can work at those underlying issues together in the meditation um, over our online sessions. Uh, Daniel says, sometimes when I listen to your show, I can't fully take in what you're saying because my anxiety is continuously active, but I do notice my anxiety lessening when I do listen. I also know that my unconscious is absorbing the material even though my thinking brain is running everywhere. Thank you for what you do. Well, Daniel, I think you solved your own predicament right then and there because you're exactly right. Your unconscious mind is absorbing the information. And that's how I went through my recovery when I was listening to other coaches online. I knew even though I had trouble paying attention, just the fact that they're talking through the screen at me and I'm I'm here, let it go, listen. Or if you're having trouble listening, just know that your unconscious mind is absorbing that information. It's absorbing. You are who you hang around. Remember that. Now, 
let's get into this episode. I, I want to talk about my experiences going into this editing job that I used to have. I was a junior editor for a TV company and I used to go in by the train every morning and I remember reading Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth and this was the beginning part of my spiritual development. I I would say that this book helped spark that and I remember sitting on the train reading this book and then looking up from the pages into the the lake onto the lake because this this isn't a subway it's a it's a train and uh that's outside and I looked up onto the lake and I had this moment of clarity this serenity this peacefulness this openness this space between thoughts this space opened up between me and I just looked at myself I felt my hands I felt my body I felt like I was in this moment in time that was beyond time and then like everybody else I would come back into time and my concerns and in my mind and my ego and go about my day but this book was the beginning part of that because in the book Eckhart Tolle talks about that space talks about mindfulness talks about the killing of the ego and being present and not being stuck in the past or not being stuck in the future and how I came across this book isn't clear to me I think I found it in a bookstore and it just resonated with me. It was actually that long ago and I can't remember where I got it from. I have a feeling that I already had the book because it was given to me from someone else, but I am not fully clear on that. I do remember though when I used to go to my doctor because of my health anxiety and because of my concerns over my health, I remember that she recommended a book to me called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And I never read that book because I was the type of guy who, if you were to recommend me something, I would not read it. I would not listen to it. I would not watch it, right? I'm, I'm one of those people. And, but, you know, and it's understandable. I think a lot of people are, and I think a lot of people things speak to people you know books will speak to you you'll pick it up because of something internally some kind of energetic connection right and I think that's what happened with Eckhart Tolle's book there was some sort of energetic connection between the title of the book between my attitude and perspective at the time you know and also when I went to my doctor and when she recommended me this book I felt like that she was on a different page than I was. That I went there to get my health checked, but I'm concerned about my health, but she's concerned about my mind. She's concerned about my perspective. So that made me think, that kind of changed gears a bit for me. My perspective started to change because I was thinking, well, my doctor isn't concerned about my health, but I am. And she's concerned about, I'm, I'm worried about these small things. Okay, so it must be my worry. It must be, must be my anxiety. And so there was that shift there. And then after that, I remember picking up Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. 
and then I was I was reaching out of the box of of what I used to be in and and figuring out and and looking into this whole new world that I didn't know existed and I was a very dependent guy a lot of health anxiety sufferers are and we are you know this dependency through childhood into teenage years and even into adulthood can last for a longer period of time in nowadays because we can easily stay at home with our parents and not move out and usually that's the case because of the how expensive how expensive it is to live nowadays but also it's the pleasure island phase and the extension of that phase into adulthood not taking on really serious responsibilities because of the environment in consumeristic materialistic environment the sheltered environment that we can easily stay in and that dependency you can view that as the fusion of two people is of one mind, right? Two people fused together is of one mind. There is no independent mind when that is the case. And that's beautifully put by Ian McGilchrist, right? The fusion of two people is of one mind. And where's the independency in that? And I was of... And I was of a collective mind at that point. I was just believing everything that came to me. I did, I, I mirrored other people and followed along. I was a follower. I didn't have my own solid belief system, value system. I didn't have a strong moral foundation beneath me. And I the pyramid of my being was upside down. And what that means is the wide part of the pyramid, the bottom part of the pyramid was at my head, was at my head. And the tip of the pyramid was non-existent. It was the bottom part, right? Non-existent deep within my unconscious mind. So the wide part being the dominant force and the point being non-existent. So what that means is the pyramid needed to be flipped around because I was an open book, right? I was, I was this doorway that has been left open. There needed a point, right? There needed to be a solid foundation for me, order, right? The wide part of the pyramid is just open chaos. And that's what was dominant in me for so long. There needed to be a point in my life. There needed to be order. There there needed to be a goal, a strong value system, belief system within me, But growing up, obviously that's developed through other people because that wide part of the pyramid is open all throughout childhood. We're absorbing and we're absorbing, we're following, we're following, but there needs to be a point in your life coming to adulthood where you need to develop a strong, firm belief system, what you want to 
what you want to take on in your life. What are your goals? What do you want to pursue? What do you want to believe? What do you value in your life? What are the habits that you value in your life? So there needs to be a sacrificial point in your transition from childhood to adulthood where you sacrifice the things that aren't working for you. But in my case, there was no sacrificing. I was a child throughout my mid-20s. And I didn't want to take on responsibility. I wanted to live on Pleasure Island. I was leaving the door open to my house, metaphorically speaking. I was leaving the door open and I was coming back to the house a month later and everything inside was stolen. There's weeds growing, there's fungus, there's mold, there's animals in there. The house is a disaster, right? I left the door open. And I've left the door open for a long time in my life. And what happens when you leave the door open? Chaos comes in, right? There's no order anymore. The order that's supposed to be you in that house left the building. And so what happens? Everything gets stolen and the house, you get the picture, right? So there, there was a paradox in my life the impulsive behaviors were a temporary feel-good, right? All of those bad habits that I would engage in every day, they were temporary. And ultimately, they were causing me more pain because one bad impulsive behavior would generate five snakes from them, right? So say... You are drinking that night because you're feeling anxious and worried and concerned about the day tomorrow. Well, that one act of drinking is going to cause you to first repress all of your emotional concerns. It's going to possibly cause you a headache. It's possibly going to make you feel like crappy tomorrow. It's going to enhance your depression, things like that. So there are many bad outcomes to one impulsive pleasure. So my past self, I would engage in so many different impulsive habits that would make me feel good for the moment, but many snakes would come about from that one habit. And all of those snakes would add up and thus making my life more chaotic, right? So I was adding, I was building, I was adding fuel to the already underlying challenges I was repressing already like my past trauma with health anxiety, with health concerns, my past trauma with anxiety attacks. All of those things were there already, but I was adding to them by all of these impulsive habits that were inevitably causing me more chaos in my life. And I read a book a while ago, a while ago, this was at the beginning of my recovery, called Thinking for a Change, by John Maxwell, John C. Maxwell. And I love how he brings up going against the grain of universal chatter, collective chatter, the society that we live in. And I remember growing up and admiring these people around me from movies like uh, Bill Murray, even real, like not just his character in the movie, but his real personality. 
he's the guy who goes against the grain and marches to the beat of his own drummer, right? We all love those people that aren't usual. They aren't cookie cutter. They're their own character who think these certain ways and believe these certain things and act this certain way that's very independent of all these other people. And so when when I was reading this book, Thinking for a Change, I love how he brings up going against the grain of society, that if you do not like where you are right now, then look towards, then look towards yourself rather than shaking your fist up at God. Look inwards at yourself rather than shaking your fist up at the world. It's not the world that's at fault for your life. I mean, there are tragedies, there are circumstances where people are so unlucky, but there's no use shaking your fist up at God when you can improve things in your life to manifest the things that you want to manifest. You can lessen the chaos. You can lessen that chaos, right? And it was through my actions and it was through my sacrifices that things got better, right? What can I do today that can make things better in my life? Well, if I spend time reading this self-help book rather than watching TV, yeah. And this is how I thought. I'm I'm telling you my thinking during my recovery. Now, I thought to myself, well, you know, if I read this book rather than watch TV, then I this will bring out the best in me, right? I'll feel like I've done something today or I want to avoid going and seeing that negative friend and then I would rather watch my mentors on YouTube talk about important topics that will help better my life and, you know, I'm better to meditate rather than waking up later in the day. I'm, I, I feel like if I sacrifice sleeping in and I wake up earlier, I feel like I've done more with myself. So I started to do these actions and I discovered it was difficult, but I felt like at the end of the day, I did something that was beyond me, that was challenging to me and that I didn't do before. And the fact that I did it made me feel good. It produced that dopamine kick. And we all need that goal, having that goal of, you know, I want to recover from anxiety. I want to recover from this health anxiety. Having that goal reduced my drifting because I was a drifter, right? Being on Peter Pan on that island for a long time throughout my 20s, I was a drifter. And with drifting comes depression, right? Because you know deep down that time is ticking and you're not doing anything. You're not pursuing that goal. You're going on Instagram and you're seeing people that are accomplishing great things and you're here, you know, drifting along. And that causes a lot of depression. Depression, Not having an aim. There's no aim in your life. There's no tip of the pyramid, right? It's just all flat surface. It's the bottom part of the pyramid that's at the top, right? And there's no rock for you to push uphill, 
right? That's Sisyphus, right? The guy in Greek mythology pushes up the rock of the hill and it rolls back down and he pushes it back up again because it gives him something to do. There's at least an aim, right? There's at least that aim. And and I, I was a drifter throughout my mid-20s and taking drugs during that time of drifting like a lot of people do during that time this looking back this was an unconscious longing for the sacredness for spiritual expression right i wanted to express this part of me that i couldn't get but through taking drugs i got and so I now see that I was always yearning for this deep expression. And later I got that through different practices like breathing exercises and meditation and things like that. And through my depression, I remember thinking I could never get there. You know, being on Instagram, being on YouTube and seeing famous people accomplish things you know, it made me feel bad because I knew deep down I'm just sitting here drifting. I don't know what to do with my time. I don't know what to do. I know I should be taking on some sort of responsibility, but I'm not doing that. And so the more I acted out this rebellious Peter Pan lifestyle, the more this lifestyle supported this weak belief of I could never get there. And so I want to talk about the beginning challenges of my recovery, like the challenges that brought the best out of me. So sacrificing my time with my negative friends, you know, smoking weed, watching movies, not really doing anything, walking around town, going to get a coffee and eating McDonald's, things like that. I started to sacrifice that. I got rid of that. And then I, and in replace of that, I would be at Starbucks or at the co any other coffee shop just reading and watching my mentors on YouTube talk about ways to improve your life, exercises that you can do to improve yourself and your mental health, strategies, techniques, just learning about anxiety in general. I was just obsessed over that because I hated where I was in my life. I hated who I was. I hated that guy I used to be. I hated him. And I knew I hated myself for a long time, but, you know, like most people, repressed it, repressed it, blocked it out, right? Blocked it out. And continue to do what's familiar. Continue to do the habits that you're used to doing. Smoking weed, eating Cheetos, watching Netflix. It's hard to break those habits because you're so used to them. They're ingrained. They're a program within you. They're like an app that you need to uninstall. So when I started to replace one bad habit with a great habit, I, I recognized that by the, the end of the day, I would feel better that I did something useful and I felt like it brought out the best in me. And... I also felt like, I also thought, at least 
all those other horrible things that I used to do, they didn't happen today. Like, like they would in the past. They didn't happen today. That made me feel good too. It made me feel like all those snakes that used to pop out weren't popping out as much. And because I was disciplined, the snakes wouldn't pop out. It's through discipline and sacrifice. So ultimately, it's through your actions. What you do every day determines what you unconsciously value. And so my awareness grew. It grew. Associations between past habits, like sitting and watching Netflix and eating Cheetos and McDonald's for for hours and hours a day and smoking weed, the association between that and the feelings of not challenging myself were there. They, they grew, right? So say, for example, going through your anxiety recovery journey, you start to improve on yourself. You start to see the best come out of you. You start to lessen the bad things throughout your day. But then also, you have this awareness of you're, you're, you're on the couch watching TV now, watching Netflix for, for an hour, two hours go by, and then another hour goes by. And then you remember the time of the day where you were really productive with your anxiety recovery journey. And then you say, think to yourself, yeah, you know, now you've made this association between sitting on the couch and being unproductive and those feelings of being unproductive grow. And then you think of the past where you were productive and you go and turn off the TV and you go back to that pr productivity. And you keep doing that long enough until you reduce your Netflix time to about an hour a day. And you're most of the day you're doing things that are productive uh, through more conscious awareness. And so at this point, when, you know, going through my recovery, I would start to lessen the bad habits slowly because of these associations, because of these associations that were starting to grow, right? So when I would catch myself watching TV or catching myself with that negative friend, there would be an even bigger awareness of this doesn't make me feel satisfied. This doesn't make me feel fulfilled. This does not provide me with a lot of meaning. And so then my bad habits started to shrink and shrink and shrink to the point where most of my day I was being productive with mindfulness exercises, just anxiety recovery in general. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for your comments, your support on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening and being here with me and following along on this podcast. And remember to look at yourself and how far you've come every single day with 
the challenges you're facing. Look how far you've come. Reflect on the positives of the day. What breakthroughs did you have today? And notice those. And lastly, do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast or video. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com.